Welcome to By the Fire Podcast, where I, Ken, your host, take you through mythical tales and creatures from across the Black Diaspora. Today, I'm joined by Alaka Pilgrim, who is the author of Zoe and the Forest of Secrets. And it was such a pleasure being able to speak to her, as this is her debut book. And, you know, it's a book that's marketed to children of middle grade about Zoe, who enters this forest and discovers... Oh, a whole set of hidden secrets of the island and is accompanied by a new friend who's there as a support um and they both encounter perilous creatures and things that have been hidden from the rest of the inhabitants so it was a great read and definitely a book i would like keep for any future relatives um young children and yes i really hope you enjoy the interview hello and welcome to by the fire podcast i am joined with the amazing alake pilgrim who is author of zoe and the forest of secrets thank you alake for coming hi thank you for having me how are you today i'm actually really doing well it's sunny where i am and it's a good day how about you i'm, I'm fine thank you thank you so I like it. You are from Trinidad, and I mentioned you wrote yes. Zoe and the Forest of Secrets, and this is your debut release. How are you feeling about having it out? Gosh, just hugely relieved, and <laughs> so happy to be with Knights of. They've been a dream. You know, they're just everybody's dream publisher. I would say it's mm. it's just amazing to be working with a group of women of color from different backgrounds, um, just to love books for children. Yes. They're just good at what they do and they love it. So it's been good. That's good. And, you know, you mentioned they are um, a children's publisher. Um, mm-hmm. What made you want to write this book for the age group that is middle grade? Yeah, that's interesting because I started off writing short stories for adults and then was working on a novel for adults. But I had my son in 2014 mm-hmm. and he actually, unfortunately, was severely ill for the first couple of years of his life and uh I had been writing bits and pieces of this story before it had come to me um I think a couple of years before but I don't know just having him and seeing his fight Mm. just drew me more and more to the children's story and even though this story doesn't have to do with children being ill or anything like that it's kids who are facing challenges yes and they have to overcome them and they're together and they make friendships that are unexpected and Mm. they have surprising things happen to them and I feel like that's kind of our story in a in a different way it is it is you know you have the protagonist who's Zoe and you know she's typical young girl you know she goes through her own buildings with a man you know just understanding about herself because she starts off in the book sort of hard, hard-headed, her family dynamic has yeah. changed, rightfully so. She just has a whole new family dynamic from what she's known, and then yeah. you know, she, she decides to go into this forest and not only has to battle perilous creatures, but she has hmm. to also have inter- internal battles with herself, learn more about herself and her abilities yes. and her, her relationship with others. So I see the connection with you and like your child as well. Thank you. Yeah, I love children in books who are not necessarily childish. Mm. Um, They're young and, you know, have a different perspective on the world, perhaps a different sense of possibility. Yes. But, they, you know, kids are little humans. So they face things that, that we as humans face. 
you know, in their own way. So yes. I, I'm glad you picked that up. Yes, and yeah. she's she's very intelligent. She's very in touch mm-hmm. with her environment around. And you do an amazing job painting a picture, world building. I think it's very difficult for authors Thank to be you. able to build a world, especially um, one that won't be familiar with quite a few of your readers. So, mm-hmm. for example, me reading this, I was born in the city of London. So I'm very hey, much urban. I'm, I'm Nigerian, girl. You know, like very much urban <laughs> lifestyle. Um, we have one forest nearby and that's pretty much it. I'm yeah. aware of, you know, back home being Nigerian and oh. um, the forests around and our relationship with the nature there. However, I'm still quite far removed from, you know, having that environment around where you know what's safe to eat, you know what's safe to touch, you know what things you should be away from so I loved how, what you did with building the world which was the forest that Zoe was in it really did paint a picture and she she like you said she's so intelligent and I think one thing that really struck me about her and her relationship with the forest was there was that underlying theme of you know the climate and what humans mm. are doing to the climate around yeah um, like where did that come from is that something that you're interested in passionate about well I think everyone should be, you know, Mm. I think there's this weird thing where sometimes environmental issues or things that have to do with nature feel like they belong to people who call themselves environmentalists Mm. or people who are even like heavily, you know, into outdoor adventures or eco adventures. But I feel like we all are part of nature. Mm. It's just what it is, you know, like this is even if we live in a city, we are literally dependent on every living thing around us, human and otherwise. And so I think if it shifted a bit to all of us feeling that way and Mm. and feeling that connection, then maybe we would treat uh, the world around us differently, you know, rather than feeling like it's a specialist idea. So I myself, I'm not I've hiked I've gone into the countryside with my dad I've Mm. just kind of like Zoe you know my dad used to take us on trips all around the island when we were children he was a driver like a uh, we call it maxi taxi but it's the equivalent of a bus he would drive that at one point in his life he's done many things and he would take us on on that maxi taxi to all different parts of the island and that was my introduction to different parts of the island from where I lived because I also lived in a somewhat semi-urban place okay but a few steps away not that far away because it's a small island is nature I mean what we call nature right like the, the forest the trees the northern range and I don't know, it just struck me that it doesn't have to belong to just one small group of people. Mm. This is, if we think of it as all of us belong yes. here, then we would treat it like home, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, I mean, and like you said, with your um, father taking you around through the nature, did that yeah. like really, was that experience as a child inspire you to really talk about all these plants that you've mentioned, mm. all the fruit? I mean, I learned a lot reading this book I'm no botanist I'm no same you know I so when I was reading I was just like okay what's this what's this creature what's what's this um plant what does it do so it was really nice just to see like your um depiction of the nature and especially important because it was specific and regional to Trinidad 
Wow. Well, I appreciate that so much. And I love what you did for Black Botanist Week, that collage of the different mm. plants and herbs mentioned in the book. Okay. Um, on It's on Ko-Fi, right? Is it Ko-Fi or Ko-Fi? Ko-Fi, yes. Ko-Fi on Ko-Fi.com. Because, um, well, that one came a little bit more from the woman in my life. Okay. So my grandmother and an aunt of mine, Auntie Cynthia, <laughs> shout out to Auntie <laughs> Cynthia, but my grandmother, who's since passed away, that was my dad's mom, uh, just used to see plants and and bush tea as we call it as part of healing people of, of getting well so nothing uh official but when her children were sick or her husband was sick she would rub them down she would make a tea she knew mm. the, what the plants were useful for yes. and my aunt also has some of that knowledge as well and so um i would ask you know i asked especially my aunt uh she's somebody that i still would ask if my son isn't feeling well for some reason i mm. might ask her you know what's good for that auntie what's good for a cough what's good for a tummy ache and she knows and i wish i had more of that knowledge and i wish we kind of passed on more yes. of that knowledge to each other but yeah Oh, it's trying. in the book now. It's in the book. It's there. I've it's shared there. it People online can now. More. So yeah. it's 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 written. So it's not yeah. lost anymore, which is really good. And you know, speaking of plants, my favorite bit in the book. I'll just read this quote. It says, oh. "I thought for a moment about Miss Kay's stories of ancient spirits living in the silk cotton tree." Terrible things happen to the people who disturb those trees. At least in stories. Here, it looks pretty harmless. So I read that bit and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, my face. Like the silk cotton tree is so iconic. That was my Iconic, intro. right? In the diaspora. Yes. And everywhere. on the continent as well. Exactly, yes. That's awesome. Yes, um, mm-hmm. that was my introductory episode for my podcast. And wow. reading about how, you know, this tree is also spoken about in Ghana, so in West wow. Africa, it's also in the Caribbean, it's more in Trinidad as well. And I just thought, you know, Based on what That's I awesome. know about it, I know more about like I know about it based on research. So again, it was yeah. the home of these spirits. Um, like you mentioned, you don't want to disturb these trees. I read a story about mm-hmm. where was this now? I think it was in Tobago. This happened where um they tried to cut down the tree to build a road and mm. through it, and then I think a few people died in wow. quite suspicious circumstances. Mm. And again, I just thought, okay. When I was reading this, I said, "I said yes, I could back it up." I read about these things happening, so I think yes. my question for you is, you know, do you have any story, maybe from your childhood, about this tree that you remember? I don't have a story personally about a silk cotton tree. Mm. I have those same uh, stories from others. Yes. I have those same anecdotal stories that you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Just hearing about it, and you know what I love about those stories is, again, it's that. Um, connection to the world around us right so basically it's this idea that even our ancestors realized that we're connected you know Mm. what I mean and that you know even a tree isn't to be treated with complete disrespect or isn't Mm. to be treated as if oh we cut it down it doesn't matter you know things have a purpose things are there for a reason Mm. and they have there's a memory associated with even a tree you know Mm. and I know that in the I don't know this is a kind of reductive way to say it but maybe in the western European world you know emphasis is put on like buildings or monuments Mm. or statues well hey you know our monuments might be the trees and so I know an an aunt of mine um Susan Craig she's a an uh a sociologist and a historian and you know she's made me 
her books have made me think differently about even the trees in like Tobago that you mentioned, because mm. some of them were places where ancestors were sold and yes. bought. But now we walk past them day by day without that conscious memory. And it's interesting to think if we brought the memory back to some of mm. the uh, landscape around us, again, how would we treat with it? Would it be yes. careless? Would it be, would we throw trash at the base of this mm. tree? Probably not. You know what I mean? So that's, it's exciting to me to think about these things. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was super excited just reading about it. You know, the last bit where she said, um, this is a, here it looks pretty harmless. It really, I that made me chuckle. I just thought this girl. <laughs> she don't know. <laughs> no. So and wake up. <laughs> exactly. And I think it also, it also looks into like just her young mind where, you know, she's been told these things about this tree, about these, you know, dangerous stories. But at the end of the day, she looks at it and just sees the tree. Yeah. And I think, you know, many people, which can be good or bad, they do sensationalize, sensationalize um, the powers of mm. mythology. So mm. she may have heard it and thought she, she may have been afraid. But really approaching it, it's not as scary as she thought. And mm. I think in this part of the book as well, um, it was like towards the middle she had already gone through so much mm. I think she was already in my opinion she was already building that that armor that mm. you can go she's through ready anything. she's ready she's ready yeah so this tree that she once thought was scary and don't approach it she, she's in front of it now mm-hmm. and I think that can be reflected for like a lot of things a lot of experiences in life where we, we stress we get anxiety and then yeah. we approach it and really know it is pretty harmless. So many things in life. So many things in life. We can't, I guess, only when we've gone through it and come out on the other side, then mm. we realize that, hey, I can survive this. You know, right. it's not something that you realize in advance for sure. Exactly. You know, there's a resilience that comes from survival. Exactly. And trauma too, some trauma yeah. too, but that of we course. have to heal from, but also mm. resilience. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, so you're here today because... My podcast is about mythology and folklore oh. from across the Black diaspora. And, I, you know, seeing the title and reading the blurb, I thought this is definitely going to be, you know, fantasy, but how much, and, you know, it's, again, set in Trinidad, so yeah. there will definitely be some mythology, but how much will you put in? Are you going to be mentioning names? So it was really <laughs> nice to read it and see some things that I had recognised. So Silk Cotton Tree, as mentioned, the Mokojambi, um, who I researched a bit for Christmas um, mm-hmm. traditions. There were some that I wasn't aware of. So the nanny of the maroons. So ah, nanny and nanny yes. isn't even. Well, she's uh, ascended to the level of myth, but she's historical as well. Wow. She's a, a character that we know, a person we know actually existed. Mm-hmm. And um, Jamaicans can speak even more to this. But nanny uh, is a woman who uh, fought mm. against. Uh, the British colonizers at the time in Jamaica and uh, she was one of the leaders of the Maroon people people who escaped from the plantations and set up uh, fairly independent uh, civilizations and communities in uh, a part of Jamaica known as cockpit country and in other parts of the island so she was a fierce warrior and she was a leader Mm. and uh, she resisted for a very long time and so she's ascended to the level of myth but yes. she existed. That's yeah. that's really that's really good. Um, I researched a bit as well, so it was really good to mm-hmm. just see more about her and that um 
influence like mentioned in the book as well and I yeah. think one thing that really struck me was um Cap and Peg one of the characters um <laughs> who again <laughs> very funny uh, one um yeah. like you know, they refer to the magic of the creatures which we'll get into as mm. a Nancy magic so mm. I think anyone who is from the diaspora would have heard of Anansi, but where, why did you call the magic from the council Anansi magic? Right. Well, I don't necessarily know that the council's magic is Anansi magic, mm. because. but I think that the Anansi in my story are kind of working for the council, kind of not, yes. right? Because yes. uh, for those of us who know about Anansi, it's this uh, spider-human spirit uh, creature mm. uh, that comes out of uh, West Africa, West African mythologies and yes. stories and beliefs. And uh, Anansi is interesting because Anansi is a creature who is much smaller than a lot of the other creatures mm. around him <laughs> and uh, manages to survive, manages to overcome through wit and storytelling yes. and intelligence. And so, yeah, I just wanted to bring those elements into the story. I think uh, I, I I did make changes, you mm. know, uh, it's something that evolves over time and, you know, of it's course. a story. So mm -hmm. in my story, uh, the Anantia are female and there's like a crew of them mm. uh, with perhaps a leader, a shadowy, shadowy leader. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they, 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 they use their wit, they use humor, they use storytelling to maybe work for the council, but also maybe work against them. Yes. And I like that idea still of Anansi kind of working against the powers that be. Mm. you know kind of being a counter to to the the more powerful and oppressive forces in the world no, yeah exactly no, exactly mm -hmm. that was really great to read okay so my question next for you is where did you get the inspiration for the creatures who are in story so i know you mentioned about anansi with the spiders cap and peg but you know we have the x we have the flesh skinner yeah where did they come from yeah I'm, I'm excited about them because I love fantasy it's some it's what I grew up reading right mm. and even now my, my my little one loves fantasy as well mm -hmm. and you know there are certain creatures that we've seen a lot we've seen dragons we've seen elves we've seen um dwarves and I still love them mm -hmm. but I know that there are so many other creatures out there just in the imagination in people's cultures and landscapes. And so for me, these creatures came out of, of the landscape of Trinidad and the Caribbean, you know, I, yes. I sort of like we have these giant centipedes because Trinidad is kind of very close to South America, right? Just off yes. the coast of Venezuela. Mm. And so actually the animals there, the flora and the fauna are influenced by some of the flora and fauna that comes from South America, which makes it a bit different from some of the Northern Caribbean islands. So yeah, so we have that giant centipede, we mm -hmm. have um, iguana, we have so many other types of creatures. Yes. And I just wanted to think, hey, if they were made fantastical and kind of scary and mm. very fun, adventure, adventuresome, um, what would they be like mm. and that's where the inspiration came from i think i love yeah. that even though they were technically scary they all have their um <laughs> not too have... scary no not too scary definitely read it it's fine um but they all had their what's the word sort of flaw so they had their yeah. weaknesses 
yeah that um was able to be you know exploited to keep the character safe to keep Adri and Zo safe but yeah you know what made you include those weaknesses as well you know what I also really love stories where even the antagonist mm. isn't all like that was the brilliance of Black Panther right well one yes. of the brilliant things mm. about Black Panther that you know I felt like I identified with Killmonger and connected mm. to him in a way as much as uh, the the protagonist, the main yes. character, Black Panther. And so I love those stories because mm. really isn't life complicated and creatures and people um, more than one thing. And so, yeah, for each one of these creatures, yes, we want Zoe to escape and Adri to escape them. But we also, I also wanted people to kind of identify with them a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're not monsters. They're not monsters. Mm. They're creatures. Exactly. No, exactly. And I think language is important. I try to um, be mindful about how I call the people, the people, creatures that I talk about on the podcast, because while some do have like bad intentions and even mm. worse impact, um, a lot are just, they have a relationship with nature, with humans, with spiritual elements and it, they've already been demonized in the past by, mm. you know, religious ex- escapades, by colonizers, by missionaries. So it, it's co- sort of important, kind of important to um also be mindful of like, you know, language. And that's so interesting because that mm. mon- that not monsters idea came to me from a friend of mine, Shakira Bourne. She's mm. a writer and she's written a book I recommend everyone read called Josephine Against the Sea. And um, it's set in Barbados, her home island. Okay. And her antagonist is like a watery, uh, mommy water mm. kind of creature who comes out of the sea. And, you know, in her process of of doing her publication she really brought that up you know like I don't want this antagonist to be presented as a monster you know I it's 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 and and that really struck me and I appreciate mm. that so thank you Shakira mm-hmm. um you know it's been really interesting because I I'm influenced by a lot of things I mean I, you mentioned and it's true like the demonization of pretty much anything Africa mm. <laughs> let's face it um in, in the world and I have experienced that I've seen it um and at the same time I I personally identify as Christian that's my 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 background my beliefs yes. right my own relationship with God and so navigating that navigating mm. that space uh where unfortunately so much of um the establishment of Christian religion has been used to demonize and to uh, degrade my people it's been an interesting journey mm. for sure for yeah, sure for sure yeah, of course mm-hmm. I think moving on a bit I wanted to yeah. ask who do you have a favorite character in the book oh wow a favorite okay mm-hmm. oh maybe uh, I have a favorite when you were creating or you know after reading yeah the book, yeah you, you know what I really okay I think I have three characters that I really I don't know. I'm just drawn to, I'm really drawn to Adri. I, yeah. There's more to Adri and it's going to come in other books because I don't know. I, in a weird way, maybe feel like some personality traits of Adri's are more mm. akin to mine than Zoe. Like Zoe is super brave to me yes. and courageous in some ways that I don't necessarily see myself as. Mm. Adri, I think 
at least the initial, like the fact that he has too many layers. There's a layer that seems like he's scared and then there's more to him. Yes. I, I identify with him. I like it. And then Captain Peg, Captain Peg. I don't mm. know. Captain Peg is irreverent, funny, rude, you know, feisty, may have been a pirate in a past spider life. Like, who is this character? It's, 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 she's hilarious to me yes. and fascinating. And then there's the Flesh Skinner. You know, I, of course, I want to give things away but I just feel like that idea of an antagonist as we said just now not being just one thing mm. that's that's pretty cool yeah and, and and these are all characters that surprised me I don't know if other writers I'm sure other writers experience this where you're writing and you have an idea of how a story will go or what a character is or who a character is and then all of a sudden you find your fingers typing and you're like <laughs> what yeah. and I love those moments in reading yes. and in writing to be yes. surprised yeah yeah I, I agree I mean for me I was drawn to um, Yara because with her there's always been a layer of like mystery yeah even when she was introduced I just thought okay who is who is this character what are her intentions yeah. and there's been a lot surrounding her um sometimes I found it difficult to support her because at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm, I'm also that kind of reader who's somewhat always team protagonist. You know, I really want yeah. her to be safe. I want Adri to be safe. And sometimes then Yara got in the way of that. But yeah. then when you know her heart and her reasons, you understand why she does the things that she does. Yeah. So yeah. She, There's a reason. There are reasons. Mm. I love Yara. Yara is another person that I can't let go of. She has to come <laughs> back in yes. other books you know because oh, she yeah. has she has for sure a deep deep story yeah yeah no, of yeah. course yes and you know where would you you know books aside I think for the future could we know a sequel is coming mm-hmm. um that's next year isn't it 20 pray for me I'm writing it right now oh goodness like, <laughs> send, you know send good thoughts and prayers because I need oh, that oh always yeah. always mm-hmm. but you know where would you like your books to reach you know this book is like we said it was middle grade to young children mm. um where do you want maybe the next book or any future books to re- reach because you've already done adult fiction you've done yeah. adult short books you were in new daughters of africa which i actually have oh my so gosh i love I, that collection i went through the contents page i went through the the, the dates and i saw your name and i thought oh my goodness wow. yeah, <laughs> that's read exactly some. how i felt yes <laughs> being in it yeah you've had that experience already you've, you've been featured in amazing um you know anthologies so where would you want your future books to reach yeah everywhere <laughs> everywhere yeah. what's that show you know every everything everywhere all at yeah, once, all at once. <laughs> yes um you know really I as I said I I grew up reading fantasy adventures I grew up reading the C.S. Lewis's and of course the Chronicles of Narnia and, mm. and so many others and now as an adult quite frankly I still love them I still love finding, and particularly now that we have stories that are set all around the world by people from different backgrounds, that's what I read. In addition to reading, you know, what people call more literary fiction and even these divisions, right? They don't necessarily need to happen in people's Mm -hmm. lives and on their bookshelves. And so I think it would be great for children to love these books and to connect with them. And it would also be cool for those adults who are into this kind of thing mm. to just enjoy it as well. I mean, my aunt 
Lorna Pilgrim is a poet and my dad is a prolific reader and they both read it and I hope they're not biased but they mm-hmm. said yeah you know we enjoyed it as adults we enjoyed yes. it as adults so that's what I'm hoping happens you know the yeah. other thing I'm hoping happens and I'm just putting it out there because I believe in you know it's important to say what you want yes. um I really would like this to be made into a, a film and a series you know I was sharing with you in the break that my mm. son is at the age where he's just devouring you know everything <laughs> for his age group and a little above on Netflix and on uh you know going to the cinema a lot with me now and there's still work to do there's still yes. room for many 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 stories and um kids are hungry for it like yes. he he will watch the same thing over and over because there's not necessarily something else just yet for his age group to go to and so that that space is there it's wide open mm. and if anyone is listening let's go please let's yes definitely yeah. because there is a, such a space for you know YA but also just children like Afrofuturism in yeah. books I think we don't we don't see it enough I mean I remember in a, in a previous interview you had on the Say Your Mind podcast um the mm. series Goosebumps was mentioned and that's you know I read that I have the book upstairs, <laughs> and I remember being so scared and you know that was eventually made into a tv series and there is still so much room for you know black children to see themselves and it's what I loved about this one is it's not, you know, so obvious that yes, this is a black child and <laughs> these are my my black braids are getting caught and in the Indian trees. boy and yes. yeah, and let's 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 like tag and tick every box exactly. no, because it, that's not how life works, right? Like it's just um it's about the uh, world building and how you do that. It's how well thank you i appreciate the compliment but i think it's also just uh if 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 publishing writing movies uh tv just reflected actual life more or actual lives more Mm. because i think you know for for those of us especially if you've grown up or lived in multiple countries or in a city anywhere or you go to school in Mm. um just an environment where there are more types of people you just realize like it's a very organic thing that people yes. are different it doesn't it's not um it doesn't have to be that um stilted and so trinidad fortunately and i'm really grateful for the fact that trinidad is a place that through an unfortunate history right colonialism mm. uh actually brought people from all around the world mm. and so now um i have a friend who came to visit me years ago and she said my god it's the first time I got on a plane and I felt like no one would know that I was a tourist or that I didn't belong because yes pretty much anyone can look like they come from Trinidad <laughs> and that's a great thing you know and and I think I just want to bring that out in these stories more as the series progresses in a very real and natural way because that's yes. what life is like exactly yeah. I mean I read online a lot of um minority authors black authors mm. do struggle with creating books with black protagonists because they, i've heard some people mm. say they just find it difficult to make it clear that this is definitely um <laughs> a black person and i just think no just write don't bother organically. don't bother trying to make it clear yeah mm. yeah yeah because i mean what is there's not one black person there's no. not one thing that is black so just yeah and i think 
that's the those are the books I love where mm. people write themselves or they write from themselves or they write from others that they know yes. and they've met and um people are allowed to be themselves exactly yeah, exactly exactly different but different for themselves because yes the world is so so vast but everyone's individuals and there is no one shared experience packs there are some shared experiences but even in, within those shared experiences still there's like infinite um possibilities yes. and that's so exciting no that's exactly so exciting. we're not going to run out of stories anytime no. sooner no mm-hmm. that's good and honestly thank you for so much for joining me on this podcast it was so great to talk to you it was so great to start so this chat great to talk <laughs> with you thank you for these questions they were amazing oh, it was okay. lovely thank you so where can people find you on the internet what oh on the interwebs okay so on the interwebs i am at alake underscore rights that's a-l-a-k-e underscore rights as in writing and that's on twitter and instagram yeah and um nights of is also on social media definitely underscore um yep underscore nights of and you know i would say check out the entire catalog every book amazing every author fascinating stories check them out okay and where can people find your book so they can find it in any uk bookstores they can find it online at bookshop uh uk bookshop Mm -hmm. which supports local and independent bookstores and of course waterstones of Mm. course um for those who are outside of the uk though i know people have been asking and you can get it at bookdepository.com they actually have free worldwide shipping. So I've recently sent books to someone in India. Um, friends of mine have bought it in Europe, other parts of Europe and in South America. So check out bookdepository.com. Thank you. And that's Alake Pilgrim, author of So and the Forest of Secrets. We are going to be on the lookout for the sequel. So don't sleep. Oh gosh, girl, no sleep. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Thank <laughs> no you so sleep. much. Be sure to rate and comment on Apple Podcast and follow on Spotify. You can also listen on SoundCloud and YouTube and use the hashtag BTFpod so we can continue the conversation online and I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. Follow at bythefire underscore pod on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter as well as bythefirepodcast on Facebook. You can also join my free mailing list where I post a video with extra information related to this episode and if you'd like to financially support you can support my ko-fi ko-fi where you'll be able to access behind the scene footage and transcripts of every story depending on which membership tier you join if you have a creature of folklore you'd like to hear or would like to be a guest on the show send a submission on my website www.bythefirepodcast.com if you scroll all the way down there'll be a submissions box where you can send me your ideas and yeah i'd love to hear from you next week i'll be sending an email to those in my mailing list where they'll be able to receive all these extra tidbits and yeah if you want to be a part of that get to it otherwise i can't wait for you to join me again in two weeks time by the fire bye